Hey everyone, welcome to the Pot Awareness Podcast and thanks for joining me. This podcast is specifically for about educating and raising awareness for animals and rescues and organizations across the United States and world. It really goes a long way towards this mission when our listeners rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and all of our other podcast platforms. Also, be sure to check us out on our official website at pawawareness.org and on social media at TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at pawawareness underscore podcast. You can check us out for all of our latest bits and clips of our podcast, as well as pet of the week and pet of the month. If you're listening and involved with an animal rescue organization or have a story of your own that you want to share, reach out to us at info at pawawareness.org and we can get you on the podcast. Thanks for watching and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Paul Wernest Podcast. Today, I'm lucky to be speaking with Lindsay Leyendecker, the Director of Community Partnerships with the Jacksonville Humane Society. Lindsay, thank you so much for just coming on and I'm excited to talk with you guys. So go ahead, introduce yourself and the organization. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, We're very excited to be here. The Jacksonville Humane Society is located in Jacksonville, Florida. We were founded in 1885, so we are the second oldest nonprofit in Jacksonville, and we um, proudly serve Duval County, which is basically our entire city. (laughs) Jacksonville is known as the largest city, like city limits-wise, in the continental United States, and so we are a full-service humane society. We offer um, pet adoptions as well as a wealth of community programs to serve pets and the people who love them in Northeast Florida. That's awesome. And when you said like the oldest in, I thought you were going to say like the United States, but it's just no. one county. You're not even <laughs> the oldest in that county. And it was this organization. The second oldest. Yeah. There's a wonderful children's organization that has us beat by like a year, but we always like to say that we've been around a long time um, and we're going to continue being around for a long time, as long as Jacksonville needs us. And I, I don't know how, how well qualified you are to answer this question, but how has the organization changed since its inception over a hundred years ago. And and maybe you can lead into that with how, like, what are, what is your current focus? What's, what are some problems that you're seeing? Right. So I've been with the Jacksonville Humane Society or JHS for short. I've been at JHS for six years now, and I've actually, I've been a volunteer in animal welfare in Jacksonville since about 2010. And I used to volunteer with the city animal shelter. And one thing that makes Jacksonville very unique is our partnership between our city municipal shelter and the Jacksonville Humane Society, which is the 501c3 private nonprofit. So when JHS um, began way, way, way back when, we were primarily like your standard SPCA. You know, we would take in animals that were homeless. um, And that was our focus for a long time. In 2005, the Jacksonville Humane Society became a no-kill animal shelter, meaning that we didn't euthanize for time or for space reasons. And in about 2008, 2009, somewhere in there, well, in 2007, we had a very bad fire on our property that destroyed um, about 60% of our usable space. And so we were operating out of temporary structures. But even in that circumstance, the leaders of the Jacksonville Humane Society, along with a group of advocates in the community and folks at the city, decided we wanted Jacksonville to become a no-kill community. 
at the Humane Society, we believe very much that it, you know, it shouldn't matter if a dog lands at the city shelter or if a cat lands at the Humane Society. We want every chance to have, we want that animal to have every chance at a live outcome and to be placed in a loving home or to be given the opportunity that's best for them. So we um, partner very closely. And then in 2014, we became one of the nation's largest um, no-kill cities. We've sustained it since. So we've hitting that 90% benchmark of animals leaving shelters alive, whether it's through our organization, the Jacksonville Humane Society, or our friends at Animal Care and Protective Services, the city-run shelter. Um, so we've we've done a lot of work in our community. And I would say in the past couple of years, I think the, the big focus, we're always very focused on our mission. And that's really what drives us. There's a line in our mission that I love that says we're going to engage the hearts, hands, and minds um, of our community. And so we've We've developed a lot of programs to make sure that we're not just focusing on the pets, that we're focusing on people too, because you can't save the pets without the people. <laughs> we, I always like to say, you know, a dog's not going to walk in the front door and say, hey, can I adopt a friend? You know, or a cat's not going to call up and be like, excuse me, I would like to be neutered this afternoon. So you need the people to do those things. And that's very much what we're focused on is making sure that we're, we're here for pets, but also for people as well. Yeah, I think that's a very... Um nice insight and i think it's extremely true and whatever animal rescue you visit across the states or even the world for that matter and i'm curious too what is what what were some things that had to happen once once the no kill shelter uh rule or law or what like was implemented was was there any significant changes like did you guys have more space or were you just taking on less animals or facilitating animals outward like what was that like yeah, so it, we've been through a lot of changes in our organization. Um, we, when in 2005, when the Jacksonville Humane Society decided to do that, they did a lot. They stopped taking in strays. It just was very confusing for the city, um, for community members in the city, because they, you know, we, the Humane Society had animal control officers. The city had animal control officers. You know, it was just, it was a lot of, um, it was just a lot of crossing and people doing the same job and two hands not talking to each other. So they stopped um, taking in strays for some time. And, um, but we do take in strays now, however, that changed a while ago. But one, one thing that we focus on at JHS is supporting our friends at the city as much as we can and transferring animals in from them. Um, they're our first priority. And so we, um, we won't transfer any animals from out of state unless it's in a, you know, an extreme situation, we very much believe in supporting um, our city and then, and also Florida, we have a program called Florida, Florida Leaders in Lifesaving that is funded by Petco Love. And it's a project where we help provide um, 100% free training and mentoring to shelters throughout the state of Florida so that they can achieve the same life-saving outcomes that Jacksonville has made possible and making sure that there's no barriers for them getting the training or the support that they need. And so we, we work very closely with our partners in Florida um, to make that life-saving a reality. Yeah, that's, that's awesome that you guys have that program. And I want to know, too, what, I feel like every area that I talk to, no matter where they're at, they're kind of all facing their own issues, whether it's geographical or culturally or whatever. What are some common issues that you're seeing in the Jacksonville area when it comes to animal rescue or animals that are being brought in? Is there anything that kind of jumps out to you? Yeah, so um, I think one thing that, you know, I know that there's a lot of talk in the animal welfare industry and um, at JHS, we, we play very closely 
we pay very close attention to what's going on in a national level as well as um, regionally and locally. And we are very, we're driven by data. So we take a look at the data and what we're seeing, not so much as um, an exorbitant amount of animals coming in. It's more so of a return to the norm for us. And so we're seeing numbers similar to what we saw in 2019. Um, and, you know, what we saw in 2018 pre-COVID. And so one thing I think that a lot of people don't take into consideration, particularly when they're discussing animal welfare in the South, is that climate change is always a factor. So we've got a lot of warm weather here. It's always interesting when I talk to colleagues up north and they talk about kitten season. For us, it's almost a 12, it's almost a 12 month um, round the clock deal. Um, and then additionally, housing is something that we're paying very close attention to. Um, housing housing costs and the price of renting, it's on the rise. Jacksonville is an extremely fast growing area. And so people not being able to find housing that allows their pets, um, you know, is always a concern. So we have a lot of programs where we try to support people as much as possible and give them as many options as they can, because we believe in keeping pets and people together. Someone loves their pet. We want that pet to stay with them. We don't want that pet in the shelter. Um, we'll have that kennel space up for a dog, you know, or a cat that's lost, um, you know, stray, abandoned or neglected, but we believe in keeping pets and people together. So there, there's, it's a very complicated issue. And I think it, it just depends on the area. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, it's, it really does vary. And you mentioned how you have kitten season. It's pretty much a year round thing for you guys. And that's, I'm assuming because of the weather there, it's, it's pretty much, no, there's no winter time. Yeah, I, I have a joke um, whenever I'm giving a tour in the shelter, but people, they won't, a lot of people don't know what kitten season is. So I say, oh, it's the time of year when, you know, outdoor cats begin, you know, reproducing in record numbers and it's during the warm weather months. Um, in Florida, that's, you know, we have three um, cold days a year and cold to us is 60 degrees. So um, it's, it does, um, we do get a bit of a break in December and January, but um, we start seeing those bottle baby kittens in March and we'll, we'll keep seeing them through to November. So um, it is a bit of, you know, it could be a strain on our shelters. Um, but we have a, a wonderful community here in Jacksonville. We have amazing foster parents and um, we have, we have a dope kidnap program that our media and our community has really embraced to kind of help us stop the slow of the babies coming into the shelter and helping people keep mom cats and babies together. So we're not in such a time crunch to get them out as fast as we need to. So, um, it's, it's been an uphill climb, but we're making some inroads there. And yeah, I mean, what, and what are some of those obstacles with keeping the, the mom, the kittens and moms together? Is that, is that pretty difficult? I would imagine like finding someone that, that would want to take both or no. Well, it, it's more of a matter of if someone, you know, if you stumble across a litter of kittens, obviously we're humans and our heart is going to tell us to jump to the rescue and that these, these kittens need help and I'm, I've got to help them right now. That may not be the case. So we really like to share the information with our community that the best thing to do is watch and wait for the mother cat to keep them together. Because once you scoop them up and bring them to the shelter, if we take them in, we then have to find someone to bottle feed them every couple hours. Um, and that's a strain on our staff. And then we have to, they can't stay overnight. And so in order for us 
to save their lives, we then have to find a foster parent willing to do that. So really mom is best. So um, we encourage everyone, please watch and wait for the mom. It's just a matter of helping the community understand that they want to do the right thing. Of course they do. Um, They're amazing, compassionate people that come to us and bring us animals. And so it's just a matter of helping them understand really what's, what's truly best for the kitten. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice. And it probably isn't common sense. You know, you see a, a bunch of kittens, you're like, oh, I need to scoop these kittens up, but you're not thinking about the effect of that. Oh, you know, this is what's going to have to happen to keep these kittens well-fed is a person's going to have to do that. And that's Mm -hmm. resources. So that's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. And I will, I will give a big shout out. There's an organization called heart speak. They make, um, very, they make it very easy for shelters to create their own flyers and um, products and social media content. They have a great um, flyer that we distribute that talks about what to do when you find kittens. So big shout out to our friends at HeartSpeak for that. Mm, that's yeah, that's awesome that they do that. And you mentioned one of the one of the programs you guys have is are there is it really just are you really focused on just like one flagship program or do you have multiple programs within the shelter? how much time do you have? (laughs) Right. Okay. All right. (laughs) We, we have, um, quite a few. I'll try to, I'll try to give you a little encapsulation. Um, so obviously we have adoption. We always want people to think about adoption when it comes to dogs and cats. Um, when you're looking, when you're ready to find your, your new best friend, please absolutely come and see us. We have a pet safety net program, which is essentially a pet resource program. It's all about keeping pets and people together. We've had it in place since about 2011. It's it's everything from a pet food bank that we do weekly to um, any kinds of resources or supplies that people need, free behavior and training support, um, all the way up to emergency boarding for pets who are in crisis. So if you're fleeing domestic violence, uh, perhaps you're going through chemotherapy, um, you maybe you're facing homelessness, uh, any any situation that um, might you know, to deter you from being able to hold on to your pet for a while, we have emergency boarding options. So we have, um, we're one of the, we probably have the largest pet resource um, options for our community in the area. And then we also have a, an outreach vehicle. It's brand new. We just got it in February from Fido Fixers, but we're go out into the community to provide free vaccines um, and medication as much as possible to some of our friends in lower resource zip codes. Like I said earlier, Jacksonville's huge. So somebody might leave their house and an hour later, they might be at the Humane Society. Um, in Jacksonville, public transportation can be a bit of a roadblock. So the great thing about us having a new outreach vehicle is that we can go out into communities so that people don't have that barrier of transportation. So definitely we do a lot for pet parents. Um, we also have a very thriving community partnership program. So one of our, one of our big initiatives I I would say is, is diversity. Animal welfare is not the most diverse field. When you look at veterinary medicine, when you look at the people that work in animal shelters, a lot of them look like me, you know, they're white women. And so we, you know, when 2020 happened, I think a lot of organizations took a hard look at what they were doing and JHS is definitely one of them. And We really wanted to think about how we could do things differently and how we could really have an impact. So one thing that we do is we partner with um, an an enormous amount of wonderful organizations throughout Jacksonville who serve kids in um, a 
in a wide range of situations, um, whether they're from low-income neighborhoods, but they, we bring them, I don't love to call it education because it sounds really preachy. I would like to say we bring them humane experiences. So we have a, a thriving program at JHS. We have a reading program. Kids can come and read to pets. We have camps. We have all kinds of great stuff. But now we're able to go on the road and meet kids and families where they are. We want kids to see themselves at JHS. We want them to know that um, that having a dog and a cat is great and working with dogs and cats is great too. So we like to bring those humane experiences to kids, everything from working with after-school programs. We visit um, a homeless shelter and, and help the children who are unhoused once a week. We have a partnership where we do, um, it's brand new with juvenile diversion programs, um, helping kids who might've found themselves in the justice system, um, anything we really can do to reach young people as well as we have a wonderful program for high school students of color who have an interest in veterinary medicine. They can come and do an internship at the Humane Society um, with our veterinarians and kind of practice their vet tech skills and really hone those skills. It's a very structured program. Um, we partner with a couple high schools in Jacksonville to make that happen. And um, that's those are just a couple of the things that we that we're focused on. We also have a very thriving veterans program. We have um, a multifaceted veterans program where veterans can come volunteer together. Jacksonville is a big military community. We have um, two military bases here in town and a third one not far up the road in Georgia. And so we have wonderful opportunities where vets can come, vets and military members can come and practice, you know, giving back to the community together, give them a sense of community. And then we also have a workforce development program so that veterans who are looking to transition out of the military, maybe they're, they want to start a new career in animal welfare. We have a, a training program that we offer them as well. That's completely free. So I'm trying to think of <laughs> what that's, else we have going that's on. That's a lot. That is, a, I don't know busy. if I've ever talked to an organization that has that many programs. And I'm curious, does is there like an individual person managing each program or is it kind of lumped together? How big are you guys? I guess I'm trying to figure that out too. Yeah. So we um, just in a number standpoint, we take in um, nearly 9,000 dogs and cats every year. And we're a staff of about, it, it fluctuates, but between about 65 and 70 staff that's full-time and part-time combined. And so we don't have one person dedicated to each program. But uh, we work really hard. We're um, and we're we're used to change at JHS. We're used to rolling with the punches. We just work really hard. I I'm, I love where I work. I I'm my my coworkers are amazing. They're all extremely passionate. Um, and I think that one thing we're really great at is promoting people um, from within as much as possible. So um, and I was hired. I was a volunteer. So we really love to grow from the ground up at JHS and. Um, one thing I think also that, that we can give, that we give credit to is our amazing community. Nothing is possible without the love and the support of the people in Jacksonville and, um, our work is only possible through them. So we have great volunteers that help us and the other nonprofits we partner with are just, just so amazing. Um, we call them up and we're like, Hey, we kind of have this idea or, Hey, like we, we haven't, you know, we have a situation. What do you guys think? And it's yes, yes, yes. Let's work together. So it's a hundred percent a community effort. Yeah, I think that's, and I think that's awesome that you guys are so infused with your community and, uh, I pretty much, I feel like it's the 
it's the glue that holds an animal rescue together. Like you were saying, it's, it's kind of like, that's how that people know the people have to bring the animals in. And I think that's awesome that you guys have that type of relationship. Yeah, we, we very much believe in being a, um, in practicing barrier free and being bias free as much as we can. We want to meet the community where they are. We're not here to judge people. We're not here to tell them, you know, how, what, you know, what love looks like, what caring for your animal looks like. We're here to support them. Um, no one should be denied the love of a pet, you know, because of income, um, or any other factor. And so we love our community and we're proud to serve them. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, and you know, I'm, I'm curious too, what are some future plans for the organization? Is there anything kind of in the works? You guys have a million programs. Are, are there any more that you're trying to add or what's going on there? Um, well, it, so our Florida program is definitely growing. Um, Florida Leaders in Life Saving is aimed at increasing life saving throughout the state of Florida. Florida currently ranks um, number four of the one of the worst states um, for a wide variety of reasons. Obviously, we're a very large state with a big population, um, but we there's some great things happening in Florida and we want to see that continue to spread. So we're focused on helping our neighbors in Florida achieve their life saving outcomes. Um, it's I think it's easy sometimes to to look from um, a faraway perspective and see a community that's struggling and assume that the people don't care or assume that the people are uneducated and that they don't know any better. Um, but our approach is to um, meet people where they are. We're Floridians, they're Floridians. We understand the struggles. And so we want to see more unity in the state. One thing that um, you'll see in Florida is there's big metropolitan areas. Like you might think Jacksonville, Tampa, Orlando, Miami. And then you've got all this space in between. Um, so you've got resourced areas with a lot of great resources. And then you've got spaces where they're just struggling. They don't have the resources, you know, to keep up and to, to do the life saving that the people in those shelters want to do. So it's just a matter of um, sharing the wealth and the resources and, and working together versus trying to work apart. So I would say Florida Leaders in Life Saving is a, a big part of our plan, as well as continuing to, um, to serve the community of Jacksonville, which we love so much. Yeah, that's exciting. And, uh, and I guess, how can people find you guys and where are you guys online? Um, what's, where can we all follow along with what you guys are doing? So our website is a great place to start, jaxhumane.org, J-A-X-Humane.org. Our website just got a refresh in 2022, so definitely check it out. Um, we are on every social media channel known to man. <laughs> <laughs> and so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, uh, and TikTok. So look for us online. Our handle is at jaxhumane or hashtag jaxhumane, and you should be able to find us. Awesome. And all of that, wherever you're listening, will be down in the description below. I want to thank you so much for coming on and oh, sharing about your organization. And I feel like I learned a lot about the Jacksonville, Florida area. And I think it's awesome that all the stuff you guys are doing in the community, I think that's really motivating to hear. So thank you so much for your time. Oh, no, thank you. Come visit us. I'll give you the VIP tour. I definitely will. Next time <laughs> I'm in Florida, and I will definitely stop on by. And same with anyone listening. If you're in the Jacksonville area, stop on by. It's, yes. I'm excited. Come and see us. 8464 Beach Boulevard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you.